Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hello, 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 everyone. My goodness, the countdown to Christmas. I'm Mel, and this is Empowered Love. And can you believe how quickly this year has gone? This is absolutely astounding. And, uh, you know, we've got some great radio shows coming up next year in regard to what is happening with the quickening and 2012 and just amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. So... It's all really exciting, but Christmas is nearly upon us, and I have nearly done all of my Christmas shopping because I've decided this year, absolutely, I am not doing it at 3 a.m. Christmas Eve, which was looking ridiculously very uh, dangerous, but I was going to get back there, but I'm nearly done, So, and I hope all of you are too, and you know, it, the, the weather, it's just incredible. Can you believe how much rain and snow and everything we seem to be getting around the globe, which is sort of really interesting, you know, that global warming was such a big push and a big shove, which I always believed was actually cyclical. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the weather patterns are really proving that, that we're coming into a cycle of probably cooling and uh, a lot of liquid, which is to do with sun flares. But that's a whole nother story. But the story that we're going to be looking at today so welcome everybody for listening in and the people picking it up in archives. And uh, what is great is that a lot of people from around Europe, uh, New Zealand, and also the Philippines. Um, hello to the lovely ladies in the Philippines that are regular listeners now. And, you know, it's great because this is all about spreading empowerment and realizing how we can get in our power and how we can change our experience of life and the thing is, you know, when we change our personal experience, we get to change the world. And that's really exciting. And I'm just so excited about the possibilities for 2011 and what we can do there and uh, how to finish off this year. But this radio show that's happening today is a very, very special one. And I think it really, uh, the reason why I chose uh, this guest, Alison, is to do with her incredible recovery journey that she's done from a high-level narcissistic relationship, which really has had all the ingredients of horror in it. And Alison uh, has child, uh, children with her previous uh, narcissistic partner. 
And her story is completely inspirational and I really wanted to air it because I think this is just so empowering to realize that no matter what it looks like and, and, and how it is, there is a way through, there is a way out and there is a way to really take your power back and change your life and Alison has done that. So I'd love to introduce Alison to everyone. So hi Alison, thank you for coming on. Hello, Belle. Hi. Yeah, and Alison has got a gorgeous British accent because <laughs> she's from the UK. And don't you love this? That you know, I'm here sitting in Australia. It's one o'clock in the afternoon, and you're in the UK at two a.m. in the morning. Two a.m. in the morning. Yes. I know. You're incredible. You're you're just incredible. <laughs> you know, I used to do this in the early days of doing interviews. I'd be doing them at three and four o'clock in the morning with Dee Dee, and uh, <laughs> so I know what it's like. Yeah. Look, look, great motivation and, um, you know, I can't thank you enough for contributing today because I know you're passionate about this and oh, you've I actually am. got yeah. pretty, uh, yeah, and you've got pretty proactive in the UK, haven't you, with uh, what you've been doing and, and uh, you know, you're, you're in communication with quite a few women over there and, you know, starting a little bit of a movement. It, that's pretty right, huh? It is right, and and I think the thing that I've found, well, you know, I had no idea about narcissism. Um, I'd never even heard of it um, until I found myself recovering from it. And it's it's one, it's an interesting subject, and and secondly, I think, to be honest, I I think it's the root of abuse, really. And I was shocked that narcissists are so similar. And that they do such horrific things, and but it's such a subject that's not known about. Yeah, that that I find phenomenal. I, I absolutely, really do too. And uh, you know, same experience, Alison, is when you know I really discovered what was going on, too, and then sort of started reaching out and researching, and then putting together my own material and recovery on it. It astounded me how prolific and epidemic it was. Mm. And to be able to look at the women around us and go, oh, my gosh, you know, I think yeah. that's what's going on for her and I think that's what's going on for her. And, you know, I agree, Alison. I believe it is the root of all abuse. I really do. And I think the thing is what's interesting is, you know, a lot of the personality disorders, whether they're, you know, looking at... Uh, um, disassociative or bipolar or, you know, any of the cluster Bs, uh, personality disorder groups, really the root of it is self-absorption and not being able to have the peripheral to actually be able to work in win-win ways. It's that self-absorbed, I'm entitled, I will take, I will mine. And mm-hmm. on a spiritual level, it's very much about a disconnection to source. It's a false yeah. self that's running amok and out of control and and really destroying uh, people in the environment as a result of that. So yeah. I, I find it very astounding. There's been a lot of um, people coming forward at the moment because actually, you know, in the uh, list of personality disorders that the powers to be have decided to take narcissism off the list. Yeah, Yeah, it's astounding. So that's why it's extremely important that people like us 
are getting their education out there and it's extremely important for all women out there and for your daughters and for future generations to really get involved in understanding narcissism yeah. and getting the information out to women that you care about and your daughters. Because I, I know, really and, and what I've what I've found as well, it, it's it's not even about just the people that it, it directly affects, but this has had a ripple effect on my entire family and my friends, and also friends that knew my ex partner. We thought quite well. Um, they are just horrified themselves. They think, God, I got duped as well. You know, I actually really liked him, and he is a fake. Yeah. Now, well, how how do I yeah. now judge other people thinking they're my friends because? This person was a complete fake. He has no conscience and no empathy whatsoever. Absolutely spot on. And so, you know, it's really... The thing is, too, when you get to understand what narcissism is, you can effectively narc-proof yourself in life, which doesn't mean that you're going to go around in fear and paranoia. It means that you go around in self-awareness. And when you're in self-awareness, when you can pick it, because it, I believe it's out there at 16% of the community are high-level narcissists. So when you understand what it is, you don't have to play. You just no, say, no, you know no. what, this isn't my reality. It's not what my focus is on or who I am, and I'm just going to let it be. I'm not going to play. And it's, and it's actually and quite, if, it, it's quite obvious when you do see it again and you see it quite a lot again, you think, wow, that's, it, it's like you've yeah. gone and stepped into another room which is at, where you can see it all. You know, you see what narcissism is. And there's obviously extremes to it as well. Um, but you yeah. just think, I'm, I'm aware now. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's so much about, you know, when we become conscious in power beings, we trust how we feel. We're in our own body representing our own boundary function and we trust how we feel rather than do what society taught us to do, which is step outside of ourselves, be disempowered and start analysing other people rather than trusting ourselves. Mm. So, you know, narcissists actually really do. There's yin and yang, there's, there's light and day, there's polar opposites to everything and in and in physics and in the laws of the universe, it's very, very necessary at this stage. And what narcissists do is they actually teach us to become empowered and trust ourselves and to have good boundary function. So, you know, when you use it as an empowered experience, you're going to become more of what you ever thought you could be. And then narcissism is no longer your reality. You just don't entertain it. Now, if we became, if the non-narcissistic community became empowered and didn't entertain narcissism, well, then narcissists would not be able to operate. And, mm. you know, like, uh, you know, affectionately we might call it narc slaying or whatever it is, but it's actually by ignoring them and not giving them energy and not feeding their false self and their ego through their entitlement and their taking and their mining and their stripping down, narcissists would not actually be able to operate. So it, they really do help the rise of consciousness on an individual and a collective level. And that's mm, what yeah. this is all about when you look at the bigger picture about it. But, you know, that's the macro picture. So, you know, we've got to understand the micro picture. And I think Alison um, can be really inspirational today because we just... 
So we're going to start off, Alison, by going into, tell us a little bit about the relationship with the narcissist, how long it was for, um, you know, like what it was like at the start and what started evolving through that relationship, if you could, please. Oh, yeah. Well, I was I was actually with him for seven and a half years. I met him. I was 34. He was 35. And I walked into a rehearsal. He was doing it as well. Um, and this man was saying, you're, you're fabulous. Who are you? You're amazing. And I didn't think too much about it. And then he phoned me up. Um, he'd got hold of my number somewhere. Um, and he phoned me up and he asked me out. And I thought, okay, he's all right. He's quite funny, quite charming. Um, and we went on a date. And then that, he, then that was it. I got, an email, I got an email the next day. He was totally in love with me. And he was so nice. You know, he was funny. He absolutely thought I was gorgeous kept saying how gorgeous I was and I just thought this is great and so we did a lot of emailing and I saw him a few you know after that and it felt like he was the um the male equivalent of myself we had exactly the same interests we were exactly the same and I've you know it's funny I've kept all the emails that we sent between us from the last 10 years now that um, in the seven and a half years I was together. And I remember writing, you are the same as me, but you're male. We've got the same this, we've got the same that. So we had so much in common, and he was absolutely had flowers, and he was completely bowled over by my talents, who I was, and how fantastic I was. And then... Can I just put in there, <laughs> so you, like, consistently, this is consistent, you had that experience of, oh, my God, this is my soulmate. Oh, yeah. That's I wrote him an feels. email saying, Thanks. I'm so glad I finally met you. And that was yeah. after about three weeks. <laughs> and I've been in a long-term relationship really, before that, you know. Yeah. It's really important that, you know, because this is one of the biggest illusion aspects that are very, very hard to let go from when you're trying to retrieve yourself from a narcissistically abusive relationship is you default back to the glory days when you had that incredible feeling of connection. This mm. is my soulmate. This is this is the man. This is all of those things, you know. Mm. Now, now, like, Alison, it's interesting how you were saying, you know, you're around 34. I was mm. very much the same age when I met my narcissistic ex, my high-level narcissist. Mm. And would it be fair to say that you'd actually come through from relationships have been difficult? Before me, my relationships before. No, not really. Yeah. I'd been in a, I'd been in a very long-term relationship when I was 16 to to 32, and I'm very good friends yeah. with him. And I, I was quite in, a very independent person. I was living on my own. I travelled around. I'd just yeah. come back from Australia when I'd met this yes. narcissist. So, you know, I'd been on my own, travelling around Australia, backpacking, and I was really up for doing things like that. Um, so, uh, you know. Like a lot of people said to me that knew me, you'd be the last person I would have thought was going to end up bashed mm -hmm. about bad. You know, the interesting thing with narcissists is that they will actually go for independent women. You know, they will go for somebody who's usually got resources. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is 
you know, like, and there's a really, you know, defining thing with with women, a lot of them that do get in narcissistic relationships, and I was one of them too, will say, you know, I was independent, I was strong, I was, you know, all of these sorts of things that I was able to cope on my own and I was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. And, and narcissists, the classic codependent is usually not somebody that's uh, broken and needy and can't create their life. A narcissist really doesn't want a clingy, needy girl that's going to be high maintenance. He will go for somebody that, you know, will tend to be loving, giving. Um, She's usually got resources, self-resources. She's usually, or she may be quite attractive. She may have property. In other words, the narcissist is going to be usually interested in somebody that's got a lot that he can take. Oh yeah, and that's I, yeah, yeah. That that's exactly what happened. And also, I think because he wanted to be a musician, he was. Um, he, according to him, he was fantastic, but um, he actually wasn't. And I'm a musician as my job, so he thought at first that was incredible, how talented. And then this is exactly what he used to completely annihilate me. One of the things, anyway. So. Um, yeah, and I was independent, and I I was quite low maintenance girlfriend. I wasn't particularly jealous of things um, yes. of other people, which was quite handy as it turned out because he was a um, complete flirt with even my friends, and you know he yes. made points of staring at women, but subtly yes. dropping hints, you know. So. Yes. So and then actually, what day? happened? You know, um, after uh, after about four months. Um, he did this strange sort of pulling away thing from me. It was, you can do better than this. You'll always suffer from my inner turmoil. And um, uh, you sh- you'll be better off getting a different boyfriend. I'm no good for you. I've had problems. And all- so all of that started coming out. I-, I was a little bit sort of like, oh, oh, you know, I wasn't too bothered. And I thought, okay, well, you know, whatever sort of thing. But, you know, I always ended up with him. And then the that it, as the tables turned, rather than it was always sort of about me and how was I and I was gorgeous, it all became about him not feeling great about himself and having to yeah. deal with things to do with himself and pulling away from me. Um, that that happened in the first sort of four months, and I went out with him for another seven years. <laughs> um, okay, so in the early days, if you were really um, doing the observing thing now, mm. what would have been the, the warning signs in the early days? Okay, well, for a start, when I went on a date with him out for dinner, the next day I got an email saying, I love you. I don't know what yes. it is about you, but I love you. And then the emails were a bit sort of, I'm, I can't stop thinking about you. I get 20 emails a day. I'm, I'm obsessed with you. And actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally unhealthy. Looking back, I was flattery. part of the but... education that's so important, so important, mm. because, you know, when a narcissist lines you up and decides he wants you as a partner, which is not a compliment, it's no. not a compliment, okay? No. <laughs> he's decided that you, he, he is going to come in and he's going to hit like a freight train. And I will scream it from the rooftops. Healthy men do not behave like that. You are not going to get 
from a healthy guy, 10 emails a day. You're not going to get, if he doesn't hear from you in half an hour, to be constantly texting you or ringing you or emailing you or telling him he, telling you he loves you first up, you know. Like the, the partner I have in my life, we, we did come together quite quickly. We connected very, very quickly. And it was a very powerful thing. And, you know, he's a healthy guy. But the difference between how that went and how it goes with a narcissist is completely different. And, you know, from day one with, with my partner now, who's a great guy and absolutely not a narc, you know, if he doesn't hear from me in two hours, he will respectfully wait for me to get back to him. Mm. Or three hours mm. or four hours or five hours if I'm busy. He does not, you know, hammer the contact to get the attention and have the obsession. Mm. And, you know, absolutely, um, the narcissistic men that I've had in my life do act in an obsessed way, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we didn't know, did we? We, we look... I don't mean. No, he was so time. convincing. I mean, he so he. I remember he was saying, I, "I know lots of female women, and none of them are so attractive and interesting as you." Yeah. And actually, he didn't know that many people. He had um, two friends, I'd say, and they never visited him. He was um, he's into computers. He's an IT contractor, so he does a lot of computer. He was constantly on a computer, um, so. Mm. Mm. You know, and he didn't speak very highly of his ex-girlfriend. He called her Mad Anna. And then the one before that was, you know, it was he didn't speak too much about them, but it wasn't particularly nice. And he'd also, okay. you know, he did tell me he'd point. had five abortions with five different women. Right, right. Another point, another really, really vital point. You know, for any girls out there meeting men or potential love partners, any guy that speaks badly about their ex is really dangerous territory. You know, if you can talk about it in a matter-of-fact way without um, blame-throwing and take responsibility, you know, one of the dead ringers that you can hear from an ex is, you know, the, the women in my past played up on me, um, they ripped me off, they did this, they did that. Now, narcissists project. So what that means is a narcissist will accuse partners of what they actually did themselves. And it's not healthy, you know. So if you're out on the dating field trying to create love and you're hearing this sort of information, it's a huge red flag, Absolutely. Mm. So we never knew mm. this stuff. And, you know, like, mm. and I know, Alison, you would have felt like I did. Like, it's really flattering. I'm going to be the woman that makes a difference. I'm the woman, as he sees, as different as all the rest. I'm oh, the yeah. woman that, you know, he adores. He's giving me all this attention. You mm. know, it feels very mm. flattering when we're not aware. Yeah. He And he'd say, you know, you're the wife for me. You're the... You're the, the the most amazing woman I've ever met. You're the most gorgeous mo woman I've ever known. You are wife yes. to me. I'd like to have babies early on with you. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, all that. Yeah. Okay, so when it started to become high-level narcissism, 
tell yeah tell me and the listeners he, you know he what started, happened um, well he started doing things that were violent but not not towards me um he would he'd be he'd smash his phones quite a lot his mobile phones he drove like a maniac he had the worst road rage um so i saw things like this going on but it was never aimed at me but he'd get he'd go white with rage at people if they cut him up in the car um, and I'd always be sort of like, okay, I'd be the sort of trying to calm him down. I'd say, it's okay, just let him go, you know. So that was that was quite strange. And then one day I saw him smash up in his entire flat by just kicking it, kicking the table, smashing it up. And I didn't think, you're mad, I'm leaving. <laughs> I just thought, oh, I hope yeah. he's okay. And he hated Christmas, so he got this thing about his childhood because his dad beat him up and his brother was violent, um, became violent man as well so he had this tragic childhood of abuse so he hated christmas and then one christmas the first one was great the second one he just walked out i spent christmas on my own and we had no food in the flat because he hated christmas so much we couldn't even buy any food because it was and he had actually gone to a party so things were not things were he was becoming disrespectful without me quite realizing and there was other women involved that he had to get attention off that I thought, well, what's that about? You know, what's going on? And then by that time when I really thought, you're not very nice because there's someone else involved, I don't know what was going on, I found out I was pregnant. And I thought, do I tell him? So I actually, and I, you know, and still at that point I thought, yeah, I'll tell him it'll be fine, you know, and even if I do it on my own. You know, there must have been something at that point where I thought this isn't right. So I um, I had a child, and I lived on my own. We were still together. I lived on my own for the first six months I was with her. Um, and, you know, <laughs> he came over, and I had I had our daughter, and within six days he was... He was watching his computer sites. I'd also seen stuff on his history on his computer that he'd been visiting escort agents and massage parlours. He was very, very addicted to pornography. Um, so, and whenever I brought that up, he'd deny it and say, "Oh, it's my fantasy. You know what I'm like." Da da da. There's always a brush off. And when I had my daughter, um, he was with me for about six days and I just watched saw him watching porn I just thought you know when does this ever this is all the time and he I said can you just stop watching that one while you're here and he sort of said you know oh, your hormones are all over the place I'm leaving I don't want to be with you or the baby anymore um, so he left <laughs> and she was six days old but then obviously he wasn't really leaving he came back so it was all this push and pull constant push and pull i didn't know whether i was you know sometimes it'd be nice and then he'd just spark off and have to leave have to be on his own yes 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 and you see the thing is true with the narcissist their major drive or their really their only drive is to get narcissistic supply attention so what they're going to do is try and hit your weak point and hit a button to get that attention so, you know, the discarding, the abandoning is a very good tool that the narcissist can do is that when they're confronted or there is any sort of accountability is to abandon you and desert you because they know that that can send you off. But and I then know, if you we don't never react argued. to that... Yeah, I never reacted. Sorry, we never, We never argued. 
and I never had yeah. a, a I never had an argument. I never he's never seen me be angry and because I just yeah. knew the result was him just leaving. So um, it was all that, that. That was one of the huge problems when I look back now. Is I was avoiding the wrath of him by not saying what I wanted and not arguing. You know, he was, yes. and he became totally foul. Yes, yes, yes. So did any of the violence happen to you, personally? Once I, yeah, well, um, before I had my, ch- my first child, I saw him punch through someone's windscreen, and he punched his fist through, um, and then he was, like, blaming me. And then, actually, when I had my, I had a, a son after that, I had a, our second child, while I was pregnant, he punched my arm and I fell over. And at that point, because I, I, I knew that he was, he had no stop button. That's how I'd describe him. I'd say it to him, you've got no stop button. I don't know where you're going with this violence. So when he did that when I was pregnant, six and a half months pregnant, I was hiding my stomach. And that was the point where I just thought, you're doing this to me. And it was it was horrific. It was horrible. Yeah. And then it escalated quite a lot when, once I'd had my second child. And when he was nine months old, I mean, I remember I'd, I bought my flat and my ex was always in debt. He had a good job as well eventually. He had a good job. He was always in debt, spending money. He just spent money on gadgets that were way off his mark, you know. And it was just constantly spending money. Um, and I just mentioned that it once. That can be a very big narcissistic thing to have the biggest and the best. Oh yeah, he always had to have the latest gadget thing, and he'd hide things. And he did online banking. And what he did was he took over my bank accounts, and we had then joint accounts. So I didn't have a say in what was being spent. He took over my phone bill when he when he'd moved in because he was in debt. He moved in rent free. Um, to my flat and he just took over but we'd got two babies so I was okay about that I thought this is what you do um, and he also had um, a virtual machine of my um, computer which I don't know why I didn't find that strange at the time but what that meant was he could see who I was emailing where and who I was when I was going on the internet whenever he wanted to which is strange <laughs> yeah so when, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When my when my son was nine months old, I'd mentioned the money thing, and I was standing up, and he just stood up, and he punched me straight in the face, and I landed on the floor, instant black eye, and then he had a wooden floor, and he was just punching my head, and the other side was hitting the floor, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm in real trouble here, and I was calling his name, you know, and to stop, and then he just ended up kicking me um, and then walked out. And he spent the night away, and he went around to my friend's house, just said, oh, we've had this really bad argument, and uh, trying to smooth that out. And, you know, it was so narcissistic, because when he came back the next morning, he looked at my black eye, and he said, that makes me a wife beater now. No apology whatsoever. It just made him something. Yeah, yeah. So, Alison, you didn't call the police at that time? No, I didn't, no. I hid it. I hid what was going on, you know. I I had totally, totally lost who I was. I didn't even think of calling the police. It was, Mm. I don't know where I was, you know. I was nowhere. My whole, 
you know, he'd flirted with my friends, he flirted with women, he was on the internet watching porn constantly, he was argumentative, he'd walk out at any time, holidays with him were appalling, he'd just leave and come back and I'd be left with two small babies on my own. He and he didn't do anything at home. He didn't cook. Didn't clean. Did nothing. I became a slave woman, who completely I lost my identity totally. And my mum said to me, actually, she said, "I don't. You, you're going downhill. What's going on?" And I said to her, "I don't really mind." And that's. <laughs> I said, "I. I've got my two babies. I don't mind if I look ugly. I don't really. You know, I'm. I'm that's the sort of mental state I was in actually at that point." It was dreadful. Nobody knew what was going on apart from eventually my sister, when I had the black eye, and my friend, I said to them, if he ever does this again, which he will, when he does it again, I'm phoning the police. You know, and even at that stage, I didn't think, I need to get out of this now. It was, wait till he does it again. I didn't know how to get out of this thing because he was the most, he was the all-powerful man. He was so intelligent. He was read every sort of psycho, psycho babble book that was going. He'd done those courses on transformation. He could, you know, be a counselor for everybody. And he was like yeah. the soul of the room. You know, everybody would have to listen to him. And actually, he became pompous and arrogant. And that's what most people felt he was. He took everything over, you know. You could have a conversation. He'd dominate it, and he'd use words that nobody else knew what he was talking about, just to be superior. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely describing high-level narcissism. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, Mm. Alison, I was there too, you know, in the abuse um, Mm. and things that were unspeakable that I didn't ring the police either. And, you know, this is a really, really strong message that is part of the education. And, you know, on my website, there is a domestic violence article and it gives all the reasons why women don't and the statistics on it. You know, Mm. and it's a frightening statistic how many women do not call the police, do not stand up. And, and you you know, look, and, and there is absolutely no way that when you recover, that is just never okay and you know we have a right to stand up and look I know that you know I was in survival I was trying to preserve my life I was trying to preserve the fantasy I was trying to you know I didn't want to upset the apple cart I was scared of the repercussions there was just so many reasons why I didn't do it Mm. But, uh, you know, when you change you and you know that, that and you get very clear on what domestic violence is and it doesn't have to be physical. There's many aspects of it that oh, yeah. don't even have to be physical. You know, the name calling, the the putting you in danger, the the, the behaviour, there's so many aspects yeah. of narcissism. And, you know, when you do get clear, and it's like, you know, the partner I have now, and, and, you know, I talk about him a lot now because the comparisons are just crazy, you know. You know, my partner would rather blow his own head off than hurt me um, emotionally, mentally, or physically in any shape or form. But, you know, we create that reality in our lives when we stand up and we go enough. And, you know, that's why ADOs, intervention orders, you know, are, are so important when you take your power back and you say no 
to mm. any of that stuff. And I, I, you know, I it's actually, so common. Yeah, I, sorry, I go. didn't know. I didn't know that I was in an abusive relationship. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I, look, I totally. I, I remember looking it. stuff up on the internet, and I thought, oh well. I've only had one black eye. He's not doing it every week or every other day, or yeah. and he's not coming home drunk and and doing. So I don't fit into it. And I, I was. It wasn't because I didn't. What I just didn't know. I did not know. Or the only yeah. thing I can say was he was he was shaking me up and down, and he was just being so foul. In the end, we were. He was sleeping in another room. I was upstairs, I just took care of the kids, I went to work, I did the, all the cooking and everything else. While he had, um, what I realised was that camcord um, pornography, you know, and you get you pay women to do things over the internet and it's all filmed. He was absolutely obsessed with all that. He spent, I mean, I'm talking for the seven years that I knew him, he was every night um, watching porn. For, or he'd go to bed at three, four in the morning. Um, I remember, yeah. I remember looking at him once when he was asleep. We were, this was six months before I left him, and I dreamt of his funeral, and I really wanted to t- turn. I was, I was decided that I was going to turn up to his funeral and tell everybody what he actually was, and it was that yeah. clear to me. I have sometimes have these real clear visions of this thing that's going to happen, and I'm going to do it. And we other one was this thing's going to happen and I'm going to do it, and that was phoning the police. That scenario of me phoning the police and having the conversation had gone swimming around my head for a year because I knew it was going to come. And so sure enough, one morning, um, and I knew this conversation was going to get me into trouble, he he picked up my phone, he couldn't work it, so I was trying to do it, he snatched it off me and it dropped on the floor. So he he was so good at ignoring me. He ignored me. He just we didn't sleep together for years, really. Um, and at that point, I said to him, "What can we do to make our relationship better?" And I knew I was in trouble by saying it. But I had I couldn't be ignored for another weekend. I'd had enough. So he looked at me, and it started sparking off. And then the next minute he goes to get his shoes to leave for the weekend. And I picked up the keys for the car and I said, well, I need the, I need the car because I'm working later. And the next minute I was in my, another room on the floor. I'd been knocked out. So I came round to him punching my head in. And I screamed for my daughter because I thought, I'm, I'm going to die he's, or he's going to maim me. It was the punches were that bad. Um, and then he stopped because one of the kids came in. Then I did my pick up the phone that I'd been rehearsing for a long time, called the police. He was still here. Then he left, and I walked into the bathroom while I was on the phone to the police, and I looked at the state of my face, and I thought he'd broken my jaw. So I had to go. Police came, ambulance came, the whole thing happened. I went off. They thought I'd broken my jaw. He'd broken my jaw, but I, he actually hadn't. But I was smashed in. And when I called the police, that was it. Then I absolutely knew this was out. This was out now. The whole, the whole lie was out. You know, this living yeah. lie was out. But you know, it was really odd. 
a couple of days afterwards, my friend came round and I said to him, do you know, I think I've been in an abusive relationship. And it was suddenly dawning on me. And I'd had black eye, punched in head, and all the horrible psychological and emotional damage that he'd done to me for seven and a half years. And it only just dawned on me that actually this is abuse. Because he blamed yes. me for everything. He twisted everything, though. Like the projection yes. thing, I'd never knew. So everything was, he could do what he liked, and then he'd stop me from doing anything or speaking because it was all my fault. Yes. So. Yeah, it's an yeah. astounding phenomena that goes on with narcissism. And, and you do. It is like being in a nightmare and all the exits are closed and you're watching your own demise on the big screen and oh, you yeah. feel powerless to stop Absolutely. it. That's mm. how it feels like. Okay, so in your recovery process, because you know, there's look, how long ago was this? How, this was how three, years, three years ago last month, 3rd of November. Okay. 2007. Okay, three years isn't long in the scheme of things, not at all. You know, there are narcissistically abused people, and this is high level what you're talking about, high level stuff. Mine was high level mm. too, mm. you know. There are people, quite frankly, Alison, and you'd be privy to this because you've been a part of, you know, um, forums and stuff like that. Now, we could both concur that there are people that are out there that have been narcissistically abused, a huge majority of people that are not, that are still stuck in the pain mm. for a long, long time, mm. correct? Yeah, we got, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's very sad actually. It's very sad, you know. I, it is sad. I couldn't and, get and I, that pain that I was stuck in, and I when when I came when I finished and I left him, that pain was the most horrific thing. That those those months, and I'd say it was a good nine months of just dreadful aftermath. It was awful, and I yes. I, I needed Aftershock, to I needed aftermath, to yeah yeah. It's massive. Correct. And this is yeah. one of the phenomena, narcissistic abuse. When you're in there, no matter how bad it is, you're in survival. You're stuck in the fight. You're yeah. there trying to navigate. You're walking on broken glass. All your energy is wrapped up in that. And it's quite, and it's wrapped up on focusing on the narcissist because you're trying oh, to yeah. navigate his behavior to survive. Now, what happens is when it ends, when it explodes and it ends or eventually you drag yourself out of there or he leaves you and discards you, there's no happy ending to narcissistic relationships. You know, no. when any of that stuff happens, what happens is is that you now get to feel the onslaughts of everything that happened because you're not yeah. in the moment surviving. And it is horrific. We've both it's been really through it. It's horrific. It is. So, Alison... How did you get through that? Um, How did well, you recover? Uh, what did you do? I um, one of the first things I did actually was I tracked down his ex girlfriend because he I didn't believe him when he said she he punched her, you know. So I I tracked her down and she was fantastic. I spoke to her three times, and this was a, a girlfriend from way back. And he had done so many similar things, you know, and she knew the next girlfriend and he'd done the same to her. And it was all of a sudden, this really is about him, you know. So um, time went on. I, I actually read 
everything that I could get my hands on about abuse, which then became, I learned about narcissism, and it just shocked me. I thought, oh, my God, that's, it was just incredible. And once I could get a grip on making sense of it, because I didn't, it didn't make sense to me at all when I came out of this. And I was going through the court system as well. I had to go to court very early on, and I've been to court now eight times about the children. It was all this stuff going, I wanted him to like me. I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why it had gone wrong. I thought, but I was so nice to you. Why were you like this? Why do you, you know, so I had all these questions that kept me in this horrible place. Um, then when I realized that this was, actually when i understood what narcissism was and that this was actually totally him and he'd done it all before then i realized what a liar oh my god i and i didn't know him this was a man i'd spent two children and, and nearly eight years with i have no idea who you are because he lie about everything he lied constantly and that was a big shock so i read up i knew i really 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 researched everything then I got to a point, I did therapy for a little bit, not much, a couple of years down the line, you know, and I stayed pretty much no contact. He tried to do the phoning me out and telling me he loved me. I got emails, I'd like to take you out for dinner. That, and I just ignored him. And that wasn't working, so he started shoving girlfriends in my face and stuff like that and, you know, trying to get messages through my children in the contact centre. But I got to a point a couple of years later, then I... You know, you sort of grow. I was growing out of, I was coming away from it. I was becoming more me because when I left, I absolutely had no idea who I was. I couldn't make a decision for myself. I didn't trust myself. I did, I had to phone my sister up a lot and say, what do you think? Because I don't know. I have no idea what decision to make because I can't make decisions. Yes. It yes. was it was awful. It was just, I've, I was totally depressed for about eight, nine months in a black place, yes. you know, yes. trying to... Yes. I wanted to pull out of so the... Knowing what you well. know now, what would your advice be to women that are recovering themselves? Oh, How do you recover yourself? My, my big one was the don't panic, because I panicked so much. He was... I bought the house, right? I had a flat. I remortgaged. I put the deposit down in the house. So I had the two children. He was here for a year. He immediately wanted the house sold and we did joint mortgage, so that meant he was going to get half the house and he put no yeah. money into it. So yeah. I needed to stay in the home. This I was very panicking. typical of narcissism, by the way, that they will yeah. take and feel entitled and they will absolutely, they'll go for and resources. He didn't, he go didn't for care. You know, he didn't care that I had a t we had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. He did not care no. that we didn't have a house. He wanted half his money, and I got yes. the house valued, and it had gone up in that year that he was here. So he stood to get £50,000 and putting me into a hospital and walking away with this. And I just did the whole, how am I going to keep my house? How am I going to keep my house? And then the whole credit crunch financial thing collapsed and my house was worth not much, so he didn't get anything. It was classic. <laughs> that was yeah, the, yeah. The universe yeah, 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 went, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. this is going to have to be a big one. <laughs> so anyway, okay, so yeah, really, the, the you know, in recovery, you know, and this is what I endorse fully, it's about getting a 
Absolutely. Finding out about what narcissism is and understanding it. Mm. But it's about mm. getting your energy and your focus into yourself, isn't it? Uh, yes, and I found that very hard. You know, a lot of people, you know, you see a lot of people say, look after yourself, eat well, take care of yourself. I couldn't do any of that. In fact, I was doing the opposite. I was, I was so thin. I was just eating chocolate now and again. I was drinking too much. I mean, I just could not look after myself at all. It was, I didn't care. I was just surviving. And then as time did go on and I was reading more about it, he was still bashing me in court and doing all this, but he never won, actually. My kids were fantastic as well. And then a couple of years down the line, he came out of my house, actually. It was last summer. Um, to, to to demand money or something he wanted. And actually seeing him at my house just set me in a horrible place. And I thought, I'm not where I want to be. I'm two years down, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not depressed anymore, but I'm not I'm not where, I, there's something not where, and I don't want to go back into therapy, even though I did it for a short time. I don't want to pick at the scab anymore. I want to get beyond something. Yeah. And actually, that's when I came across your sites. And it really resonated with me because it was. This is about empowering yourself from the experience. This is about moving beyond what you've been through and coming out as a stronger person because of the experience. And I listened to all of your shows, and as you know, I did quantum healing with you as well because I just thought immediately, oh yeah, this is the path that I want to go down. You know. and I've, uh, you know, the the Bartha Hofmeister, I had listened to her program about forgiveness. I yep. haven't got there yet. I don't know whether I ever will. I can accept it, but um, yep. I haven't got there. His power went. His power started to go. That's what happened. I didn't see him as this all-intelligent, amazing man that was so talented because he'd lied. He, was, he became quite... He wasn't not intelligent in my eyes anymore. He was screwing up. He was writing emails. When I had a lawyer, lawyer, solicitor, he was writing for two years emails about how I was vindictive, a cheater, um, someone with no empathy. You know, he even said I had no empathy. It was totally him on a plate. You know, he was describing himself. Never, ever, that's exactly ever. That's right, and that's what narcissists do, and that's how they hook you with the injustice, mm. you know, and it's and about but, but getting never, out of those ever respond. Don't ever respond. Don't ever send a nasty yes. text. Don't ever. I never sent anything that was slightly horrible, rude, back into his argument. Nothing. He received nothing, and I was getting the most abusive emails um, until I got the police intervention, but he got nothing back for me. It was like I was a, a slowly waiting for time to just pass. While he was kicking off with all this abuse and getting ridiculous, I was slowly waiting. And then, you know, I couldn't afford a lawyer anymore, and child, child custody stuff has come up again, um, and I decided I was going to represent myself, um, which, you know, you read on the Internet about, narcissists in court and how fantastically well they do because they love it all and they love the fight and everything well I actually went there and I've had the three years of him being nasty writing all this evidence that he's not right in the head 
This man had also been to psychiatric hospital as well in the past for his violence. And so I went into court and um, he wanted, he went for joint custody because the kids don't want to see him, they're seven and five. He went for joint custody and he's saying, and I'm an unfit mother and uh, I leave my kids on my own and I take class A drugs and all sorts of other rubbish. So we went into court and I completely annihilated him. It was fantastic. <laughs> he was, now that's great. Now that's great. great. And that's a really, really strong message. You know, mm. and I see it all the time, you know, women that, you know, get involved in empowerment and, you know, have had quantum healing and all that sort of stuff. When you lose the fear, when you walk truth and mm. you're you've got a foundation of self and you walk truth, narcissists fall to pieces. They yeah. literally fall to pieces. But, you know, anybody out there listening that's going to be going through court with a narcissist, because usually when you break up and you've had a marriage or a, you know, a committed relationship, that's usually where it goes, because he's going to go oh, for what yeah. you've got. Oh, we've still, we've still going there. We've got a two-day court case coming up. I mean, he looked ridiculous. The, and the thing that got me out of the worst place was, it was a more spiritual path. It really was about disconnecting from his energy and I know when it starts connecting with me again I feel horrible again and it, it, yes. it's that quick it's like that poison that enters my body when he's yes. Yes. around me you know and so it is that disconnecting that energy and just it makes him smaller in my eyes and I'm not part of it and that's, exactly. that's a huge difference and and that can only come through, I believe, I've been there, that can come through only that spiritual self-empowerment, mm, that definitely. energetic empowerment. Mm. You know, is it, really about giving to yourself, getting um, out of the hooks and the pain and the injustice and the trying to fix it or change it or get validation or get recognition or for him to actually turn around and apologize and be accountable or realize you're actually a good person when Never you can let go and disconnect from yeah. all of that and just say you know one of my favorite sayings with a narcissist is crocodiles bite hot stones mm. burn narcissists yeah. destroy now yeah. you cannot the only way to beat a narcissist is to disconnect that is the and, only yeah. way. And also, you know, you know, when they do things, and and I mean, on these some forums and stuff, it's like he's done this, he's done that. Well, of course, he's going to do that. He's a narcissist. Don't ever underestimate the revolting stuff he's going to do. Just recognize it and think, yep, he's going to do that. And exactly expect it. Expect it because you're so disconnected from where he is and where how he operates on his level of consciousness is so far removed that you it, it's just million miles away. Spot on. Spot on. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, where I'm at with the previous narcissistic stuff in my life. I don't care. Mm. I don't care if he wins $3 million or falls off the edge of the planet. I don't care no. because it's not my reality. But, you know, back when we're in there and we're in the hooks and the injustice and the pain and wanting accountability, that feels almost impossible. 
So, you know, the greatest gift out of narcissistic abuse is when you do disconnect and you focus on empowering yourself and you go, you know what, that's not my reality. Mm. And when you're not vibrating at a consciousness level where you're hooked up in it, you're in higher consciousness, they're in lower consciousness and they actually cannot touch you. Everything yeah. in and, life and, and is even with, well, and you. I have... I still have that connection because I have children because, you know, if you don't have children, you can yeah. walk away and that's it. Um, so yeah. you have to get to a level Do you know what? That. A lot of women, even without children, honey, can't. They yeah. don't. Yeah. And I see it all the time and I went through that as well. But, yeah, you're right. You do have... Yeah, continue on. Well, I was just saying, you know, those, those hooks, I still get it a bit, you know, he turned up to court with his new victim, and I will call her a new victim because the poor thing, that's what she is, and she has her own child. She's t so on his side and kissing him in front of the courtroom, and she wants to testify against me. I don't even know who she is, never met her. Um, and it's all that narcissist rubbish that she's involved with, but um, it's still... You know, I can. I have to watch those little hooks that can hook me into an angry place. Um, and I think, well, you know, what do I expect? Of course he's going to do that. Of course he's using somebody else. And I can't walk away totally because I have children. But I can keep reminding myself that, you know, he is what he is because he is a narcissist or a sociopath. And that's how he's going to behave. He will never change. Never. Yes, yes. So how do you feel about your life now and where you've come? Oh, you know, I feel better than I did before. You know, I appreciate things so much more and I see things that niggle people or used to niggle me as much smaller. It's like, well, so what? You know, and I can, I actually catch myself sort of smiling about the sky because it looks lovely or that we've got loads of snow here at the moment and just thinking the snow is fantastic and I'm happy and there's a joy inside me that I didn't have as much as I do now I can't believe that I can even think like that from where I was three years ago you know I was just on survival mode because I had children and now um, I have this oh, there's a sense of freedom in me you know, have a total sense of freedom that I will never go back to that dark place again. And and having had that experience, I'm a freer person because of it, you know. Do you think that through coming out through the narcissistic experience that you're more than what you used to be before it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've... I've I've gone into a different place, a higher level, but I did do the work <laughs> to get there, but I have. I, I either had to, I was going to either sink badly or swim higher, and I chose to swim higher, and I have, and I feel like I'm on a different level of something that, from where I was before. I'm a more conscious person now, and I enjoy... Small, I enjoy simpler things more than I would have done before. They just give me joy. Just even just being around, you know, just living. It's, yeah. Gorgeous. And you know, this is a message. This is a message because this is what gets banged on all the time around the world. I'm never going to be the same again. This has destroyed me. This has ruined my life. Mm. I was there too. And I know, Alison, mm. you would have felt like that. But, you know, if you do empower yourself and use this experience as an empowering experience, 
You get to be more than what you could have ever imagined before this happened because narcissistic abuse is a make or break deal. You put it perfectly. You were either going to sink or you were going to swim to a higher level. And I really believe, you know, this experience has come into our life to force us, if you will, to, to swim on a higher level. And I know I'm incredibly grateful for what happened in my life because of the level that, you know, I now operate at and feel at and be in and resonate in. And I know, you know, what I've created in my life now and this gorgeous love relationship I have, none of this could have happened if I hadn't have elevated and, and grown as, as an individual and as a conscious being through what happened to me. So, you know, this is the journey I, I want to call people towards. And, you know, Alison, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing so honestly and candidly. Thank you. You know, about thank your you. journey and where you've been with it. You're totally welcome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And thank you for your talk radio and, and all the work that you do on narcissism. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm pretty passionate about it. And, uh, you know, it's definitely, definitely my wish that, you know, people can come out the other side. So goodbye, everybody. And I'll be talking to you in the new year. Bye-bye, Alison. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.